We honor you and we praise you, Lord God. Lord, we pray that you bring us to a place where everything we do is to worship you. We pray, Father God, that every time we wake up, our lips will utter words of praise. When we go out throughout the day, Lord God, our lips will utter words of praise. When we go to bed at night, Lord God, that our lips will utter words of praise. And everything we do, Lord God, will be worship unto you. That every area of our lives and everything that we do, Lord God, bring honor and glory to you. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit to help us to come to that place. And Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit tonight as we welcome him to minister your word, Lord God, into our hearts, into our spirit, man. We thank you, Father God, for sharing words of life, words that will strengthen us and words that will encourage us, words, Lord God, that will reveal your perfect will for our lives. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for all those who are here tonight, those who are watching by live stream, Father God, that you reach out to them and minister to them and speak directly to them. Meet them where they are. Father God, I pray for revelation, knowledge, and understanding, Father, tonight. And we thank you for your presence. We, pray, we thank you for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit tonight. And we give you all the glory and praise. And for this, we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And everyone say, amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Welcome all of you here this evening. Braving the snow. Those of you watching by live stream, we thank you for tuning in. Um, before I forget, let me just say this. Next Wednesday, we want to invite you to a, a day of fasting and praying. Uh, that night, which will be the 16th, we'll be praying for the people of Ukraine and also the state of Ukraine. The, the, as you all know what's going on there, you read the news and, and listen to... Uh, uh, the news feed and everything else about what's going on there, the invasion of the Russians and innocent people dying, women and children. And uh, we want to continue to pray for the people there and, and also pray for the country. And uh, so we invite you all to come out, join us as we fast and pray for them. And uh, we're certainly looking forward to seeing you there and joining us as we pray the power of God. And you know, even though the the Russian army are moving in and invading in, in the, the country and and uh, United States and all of NATO are doing everything they can to try to stop this invasion through sanctions and through diplomacy and everything else and nothing seems to be working but we're going to go to a God that knows how to stop wars how to stop invasions and so that's what we're going to go to we're going to go straight to the man, to the ruler, to the master who knows how to stop these invasions. So join us next week, next Wednesday, and looking forward to seeing you all there. So let's get into the word this, uh, this evening. I'm saying morning. It's been a long day. So uh, please excuse my voice. I'm coming down with a healing. And so, but I trust that God will help me to get through this. And uh, so he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying tonight. Amen. So go with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. We're going to begin verse 40. I'm going to read right through verse 47. Because in Acts chapter 2, we see three major events that takes place there, just in this one chapter alone. 
One of those major events is the day of Pentecost, which is one of three major festivals that the Jewish people come together to celebrate. And they come by the thousands from all over to come to Jerusalem to celebrate this particular festival. So that's one major event. The second major event was the, the fulfillment of prophecy that was prophesied by the prophet Joel in Joel 2.28. Where the scripture says that, uh, that there, there shall be a time that will come to pass that God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And as we read in Acts chapter 2, we find that the Spirit of God comes with, uh, like a rushing mighty wind, falling upon 120 people, those who are uh, waiting and, and tarrying in, in, the, in the upper room, and fill them all with the Spirit of God and empowering them. And of course, the third major event that took place was the beginning and forming of the first church community. And of course... When the power of God came by the Spirit of God and fell upon Peter, Peter stood up and began to preach a powerful message. And on that day, 3,000 people were saved by the preaching of the Word. And so those are all major events that took place in chapter 2. And so let's begin reading from verse 40 and right on down to verse 47 if you follow along with me. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then the fear of the Lord came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the, the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and with simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. How many of you have ever seen the redwood trees in California? Has anyone ever seen them? All right, yeah, okay, so, okay. Um, as we know, those are huge trees. And uh, they are known to be the tallest trees in the earth and one of the, the largest trees or living trees in all the world. And these are some of the amazing uh, God of God's creation. I mean, it's remarkable how big those trees are. Some of those trees stand about 300 uh, feet high. And some of them are over 2,500 years old. That's an amazing a creation of God for trees to last that long. But there's something interesting about those trees. Because you think the trees that large will have a deep-rooted system that are deeply rooted. Roots that, that, that go down about 100 feet into the earth. You would think that, but that's not the case at all. Because these trees, as unique as they are, they have a very shallow root system. However, the roots of these trees are intertwined. They are tied together within, and they are interlocked. And whenever storms come, whenever the winds blow, these redwoods stay standing. Are you hearing me? With this very unique interlocking root system, they're able to support and sustain one another. In other words, these trees need each other to survive. And... So does the church. 
How many, if you remember the song that we used to sing, that we often sing uh, when we received new members, uh, the song that was sung by uh, Kirk Franklin, I Need You to Survive. How many of you know that song? I'm going to, I'm going to spare you your ears uh, and not sing this song, but I'm going to read you the lyrics, okay? That's probably the safest bet. It goes like this, I need you, you need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. We're all a part of God's body. It is His will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. I'll pray for you. You pray for me. I love you. I need you to survive. I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I need you. I need you to survive. That is a song, I feel, the banner of a community church. And how many times have we heard Pastor John say from this pulpit that we need each other? And how often do we hear him say that there's going to be a time when all we have is each other? It is through Christ that we are all bound together as a community. Because we belong to Christ, we also belong to each other. And because we fellowship with Christ, we also fellowship with one another. And that's because through Christ, God has made us a community church or a church community. And this, my friend, is our God-given support system. And this support system is interlocked, intertwined, and also uh, joined together to support and sustain one another. Just like a redwood trees. As, as I told you before, redwood trees are intertwined and interlocked by the roots. That's what keeps them sustained. That's what supports them. That's what keeps them strong and standing. We ought to be like redwood trees. That's what the body of Christ is all about. And if you study the, throughout the whole New Testament, you'll find that there are no Lone Ranger Christians. If you find one, let me know. But I guarantee there is none in the Bible that says there are Lone Ranger Christians. Believers at that time needed each other, so do we today. How many of you agree with that? And tonight I want to talk to you about this community and, and this God-given responsibility that come from being a part of this community. In the New Testament, the people of, of God are referred to in the Bible as the church and is mentioned about 100 times. Community, the word community, is defined as a group of people living in the same places or having a particular characteristic in common. It is also defined as the feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. As we read in Acts chapter 2, the very first church that began in Jerusalem came together and formed this community of faith. And that's what we've read today. If you look in verse 44, the Bible says that all who believed were together. And on a regular basis, they came together to worship, to pray, to study, and to fellowship. Now that word fellowship in the Greek is the word koinonia, which also comes from another Greek word, which is koinonos, which means partnership or participation or sharing. So this fellowship simply means an association and close relationship with others. So this is more than just getting together and it's more than just having a religious meeting. 
No, this also involved a sharing of goods, having meals together and praying together. This was a community that came together from all walks of life and from different stages of life, partnering, participating, and sharing with one another. And this new community of believers that we find in Acts chapter 2 were made up of wealthy people, poor people, and people in between. This community was bounded together. And this newly formed community of faith was joined together through thick and thin. And no matter what the, 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 uh, the trials were, it still kept them together. It still held them together. And they had a very, uh, they each had a, they had each other and they had Christ who was also the center of their community. So they had each other, but more importantly, they had Christ. And Christ was the center of everything that they did. They knew that they needed each other. And as we continue on, we're going to begin talking more about us and how we are with each other. And I may make you a little uncomfortable this evening. And I may be touching some chords tonight, but that's okay. It needs to be said. But if you look in Acts four, uh, 2 and verse 44, what I love about this, this, this community is that those who were in poverty, those who were lacking, it, it didn't matter because in that community, I want you to notice how they responded to that. In verse 44, it says, Now all who believed were together, had all things in common. Now keep in mind, this is just a snapshot of a church that was just a few days old. And yet they joined together and formed this community. And those that were lacking, those that were in poverty, the people that were among that community responded well to them. They all came together and they had things in common. Why? Because those who had abundance were able to help those who were lacking. They were able to share what, was, what they were lacking. And so no one in that community, listen to this, no one in that community lacked in anything. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 45. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. This was a community that really cared about the other, about each other, and the well-being and the welfare of one another. That they were willing to sell all their possessions and help those that were lacking. Imagine being a part of a church, a part of a community, like this early church. With no lack. I might be getting ahead of myself, but as a church, as a community, there should no, not be any lack. We should not be lacking in anything. But while you're still in Acts chapter 2, look up back up enough, verse 42. And it says, And they steadfastly persevered, devoting themselves constantly to the instruction and fellowship of the apostles to the breaking of bread, including the Lord's Supper, as well as prayers. This caring community continued in this way every day, gathering together in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with gladness and praising God. So you can see clearly that their commitment to each other and their commitment to, to faith and fellowship, I mean, you can see it right there just by reading this verse. They have a commitment towards each other as well as towards their faith. They were committed to one another. And that's a very important word that I want you to get a hold of tonight. Teaching, fellowshipping, praying, sharing, and celebrating the Lord's table were the focal points of this first church community. 
so shall it be for us. And as I mentioned to you earlier, there's no way in the New Testament that says there are long range of Christians. Believers needed each other and God expected them to come alongside them and be there for them, just as God expects us to do as well in this church today. And just to give you an example of that, I want you to go to Mark chapter 2, the beginning of verse 1. In John 3.16, we read where God, where the Bible says that God so loved the world, or the people of the world, that he gave his only son in order to save them. We also read in 1 Timothy 4.2 that it is God's desire and great pleasure that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Which tells me that, pe- that, that people are God's priority. And people are God's priority because, people, because God loves people. If we are people of God, we should also be lovers of people. And people should also be a priority to us. Are you hearing me? Look at chapter, uh, Mark chapter 2 and verse 1. Listen to what it says. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head, and then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And Jesus, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. And of course, he healed him of his paralysis. In a church community, people must be a priority. Here we have a paralyzed man in a hopeless situation. To be in a hopeless situation is to be in a situation that you can't get yourself out of. How many of you have ever been in a place like that? Okay, I see quite a few of you. But paralysis of having lost the ability to move or to feel anything in part or completely. To be paralyzed causes one to become immobile and powerless. Now, there are many different types of paralysis other than the physical paralysis that we're talking about here. Paralysis that have caused people to suffer and caused people to become powerless and immobile. You have, uh, there are mental paralysis. There are financial paralysis. There are emotional paralysis. There are even spiritual paralysis. All of these paralysis are causing many people to become incapable of moving forward, uh, having lost their strength, losing their ability to move forward, to do anything for themselves, and becoming powerless, needing someone to come alongside of them to help them. And so we see the same situation with this paralyzed man who was suffering from physical paralysis, having lost all the ability to walk and to do anything for himself. However, this, this is what I want you to see. This man was not alone. This helpless man had four friends who cared about him. You can call these, small, uh, these, these group of friends small groups, if you will. And these men cared enough about this paralyzed man that they were not willing to allow him to remain in that hopeless situation, but was willing to carry him on a mat from where he lived to where Jesus was staying at. And I don't know how long the distance was between his house and where Jesus was, but these four men were willing to carry him all the way to where Jesus is to get the help 
that he needed. That's what I'm talking about, community. People who care about each other. People who are not willing to allow that person to remain in that situation, but willing to take him up, come alongside him and help him, and, and help, make sure he gets the help that he needs. And when we see this example here, they demonstrated a level of commitment in helping their friend by not allowing it. Even though when they got to where Jesus was and they saw the, the doors were, 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 were blocked, the house was crowded, and they couldn't get, there's no way to get this man through. But yet, you see the level of commitment because they did not allow that to discourage them and keep their friend from getting help. So they went to the roof and lowered his friend into the roof because they wanted their friend to be helped. They raised their level of commitment to the care of their friends. Are you hearing me this evening? We're talking about community here. People should always be a priority in our lives because it is God's will and purpose that we, just like the early church, play a vital role in each other's lives. And I know that's, you know, we live in a world where people just want to mind their business. They don't want to get involved in anybody else's business. But if you belong to a community of faith, if you belong to the body of Christ, you've got to be above that and be willing to care for the person next to you. Because that's what God calls us to. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 and look at verse 24. Look at what the scripture says. In the amplified version of verse 24, it says, And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up or stimulate or incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. Now that word consider is an interesting word because in the Greek it means to take a note of or to look more closely and observe. What the reader is telling us is that we are to take note of or to look very closely and observe to the, the circumstances of other people's lives so we can know how to help them. He's telling us to consider, to look more closely, to take note of so we'll know how to help that individual and also to encourage others to do the same. So as we face challenges and trials in the lives that, we, that, that, that this life will bring, God's intentions for his people is that we be supported and strengthened, encouraged, and empowered through the community called the church. And as we face the storms of life and the temptations of life, we should be able to receive the strength from God through each other. And the reason being because we are God's feet and hands. It is what we are called to do. And that is to minister to one another. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And let's look at verse 15. Paul says, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Ahia, and they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now, it's interesting how Paul used Stephanus and his household as an example of the Christian community or what the Christian community is all about. He said that they devoted their lives along with their household to the service of other Christians. Now, it's not known what exactly they've done, but they were held in such high regards for their level of commitment towards other believers. 
Now look at Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. The New Living Translation says, How you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Serving others is a labor of love. And the scripture says that God will not forget your labor as you minister to other people. That is so important to know. Because sometimes we we tend to lose sight of that. That we're serving others, ministering to others. And we think it's, it's, it's a labor that's gone unnoticed. We may not notice it. But what's more important is that God notice. And he will not forget We are a body, and the scripture describes the the church as the body of Christ, and it's mentioned 40 times in the New Testament. Go to Romans chapter 12, and beginning in verse 4. Paul uses this beautiful illustration of the human body to help us to understand how the church operates and how the church functions and how interconnected we are as a body. And he goes on in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 4, in the Amplified Version, For in one physical body, we have many parts, organ members. And all of these parts do not have the same function or use. Verse 5. So we, numerous as we are, are one body in Christ, that is the Messiah. And individually, we are parts one of another, mutually dependent on one another. The New Living Translation said that we are many parts of one body, And we all belong to each other. When I'm at home working, whether it's moving furniture for my wife, whether it's helping her clean the house, whether it's doing laundry, whether it's cooking, whether it's mowing the lawn, every part of my body is actively involved in whatever it is I'm doing. My hands don't separate from my body to do the dishes while the rest of my body is sleeping and taking a nap. No, when I'm doing dishes, every part of my body is active. Every part of my body is involved in whatever activity I'm doing. As individual members of the body of Christ, we who are Christians are here members of not just each other. Not just of, 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 I mean, not just a faith Christian center, but we're also members of each other. And again, there are no lone ranger Christians. No Christian, no member should walk alone. No member should work alone. No member should grieve alone. No member should suffer alone. No member should rejoice alone. Why? Because we're all joined together into one body. And we are interconnected to one another. And whatever we do, we, it affects each other. Just like the redwood trees. They stand tall and they're strong for centuries because of their interlocking root system that supports them and hold them together. We need to do the same because our interlocking system is the community. That's what helps support and sustain us. So we need one another to survive. Look at Romans chapter 12 and look at verse 6. Just like every part of our body is dependent of one another, we as a body of believers, a community, are dependent of one another. Romans 12 verse 6 says this, In His grace... God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. 
If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you are a teacher, then teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, then take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. All of these functions, all of these giftings that God gives to every member of the body is for the purpose of benefiting one another. If you've been gifted with serving, then you need to serve with the level of commitment of, by serving well. If your gifting is giving, then you should raise your level of commitment to giving well. My wife shared something with me earlier today in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. And I never saw it like this before. But Jesus says, given it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, good measure, or good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But he doesn't stop there. Because he begins to tell us how we, give, we get back what we give. And he says, men, not God, men shall give unto your bosom. Again, we see a perfect example how God, the people are God's hands and feet. It, it is... It is to benefit the entire body. And all of the gifting that God has given to every member of the body is to do just that, to benefit one another. These are the gift things that God has provided us. If there is a reason why we're lacking, it's because someone in the body is not benefiting from your gifting. And then, so that raises a question. What gifting that God graced you with that you could benefit others with? Think about that. And if you know what gifting you have, are you using it to benefit others? See, that's why the body of Christ should never lack in anything. Every one of us, God has given a certain gifting. I should be benefiting from your gifting as much as you're benefiting from mine. We should not be lacking in anything. We should, add, we should have an attitude of community. Now, and when I say an attitude of community, I'm talking about a real authentic relationship. Now, here's what I'm going to say that may make you uncomfortable. And it may strike a nerve. But many people use fake IDs to give people the wrong impression about themselves. Right? Young people especially will use fake IDs to give the impression that they're older than they really are. The church does the same thing. They come to church with a fake ID, giving the impression that all is well when all is not well. For instance, we'll show our ID of harmony when everything in our life is in conflict. We may show an idea of having it all together when we really don't have it all together. See, there are many Christians who would use that idea just to let people know or, or, or give people the impression that everything is going well, everything is hunky-dory when nothing is hunky-dory in your life. Why do people do that? Even on Sunday morning worship, like so many it's like 
It's no different than going to a, a, a masquerade party where we put on our spiritual mask in order to hide the turmoil in our lives. Why do we do that? We show up at parties, but no one really gets to know who we are. As a matter of fact, we separate ourselves from others because we put layers of protection so that people can never know the real us. The real you is never seen. However, God has saved us for authentic relationship and fellowship with one another. That's what koinonia is all about. It's a true biblical fellowship where we can come together, trust each other, be authentic with one another, and be real with one another. Authentic biblical fellowship means mutual sharing of the life of Christ between his community members. And I'm, I'm not talking about getting together over a coffee and cake in a fellowship hall. I'm not talking about social gathering. I'm talking about real fellowship, a sharing of life in Christ. We've all been called. We have a special calling, a mandate to care for one another and to serve for one another and to show a compassion towards one another. There's a story about a preacher who was late, who was running late to an important meeting. But he had to pull into a gas station to get some gas. So he pulls into this full-service uh, full gas station. As he pulls in, this little guy comes in with a, one of those knit caps, you know, that was he wearing kind of low. Uh, his, his face was full of acne. His hair was all greasy. His pants was like two sizes high that he had to keep pulling it up. He even spoke slowly and, and, and awkwardly. And so he was pumping gas. Even during pumping gas, it seemed to take a long time. When he finally finished pumping gas, he, the, the preacher gave him a credit card. And so the little guy took the credit card, went into the office, and that took several minutes before coming back and saying that they don't accept the card. So the preacher gives him another card. He takes that card, goes back to the office, and that takes several more minutes, only to come back and find out that that car, that car can't be accepted. So the frustrated preacher says, do you still take cash? And the little guy said, yes. So he took the cash and still took several minutes to go to the office and bring back the change. So by that time, the preacher was furious. When he finally got his change back, he backed up, spin his wheel, and took off. After a few blocks, the Holy Ghost got a hold of him. Thank God for the Holy Ghost who knows how to get us back on track. And the Holy Ghost brought a conviction to his heart because of his rudeness and his impatience towards this little guy. So the preacher turned around and went back to the gas station. This poor little guy sees the preacher pulling in and he was too scared to come out of the office. So the preacher got out of his car, went to the office and says, listen, I'm really sorry for the way I've treated you. I should not have treated you. There was, there was no, no uh, excuse for that. Please forgive me. But it was what the little guy said that really, really makes you wonder about people. He said this, that's okay, mister. Everybody treats me like that. How many people 
have said those words about themselves. Or maybe how many of you may have said the same words about yourselves? In a cold, lonely, impersonal, insensitive, mean, cruel world, those who take the time to care for someone are the exception, not the rule, which is unfortunate. When we receive Christ Jesus into our lives, we not only enter into a relationship with him, but we also enter into a relationship with one another, forming this community. The very core of true community is caring for one another, as we saw in Acts chapter 2 when the early church formed. And as we saw in Mark chapter 2 when the four friends gathered his par- their paralyzed friends and brought them the help that he needed. That words one another are two words in English language, but in the Greek it's actually one word. And it's used a hundred times in the New Testament. And as a community, we function best when we all work and care with one another together. And there was a well-known quote that was made by Andy Stanley, and he, and he goes like this. He says, the primary activity of the church was one anothering one another. I, I like that phrase. And there are several one another statements that are found in the New Testament. One of them I shared with you earlier, Hebrews 10, 24. You don't need to turn there. But Paul says, consider one another. Look closely to one another. Take note of one another. It also says in verse 25, to encourage one another. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and look at verse 25. Paul writes that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. In other words, there should not be any disconnect in the body of Christ or division, but rather we should take the time to have a mutual care and concern for one another. Now here are some other verses of scripture that I just want to read off to you, and you can just simply write down the scriptures as a matter of reference. But the first one is found in Mark chapter 9 and verse 50, and it says this, Be at peace with each other. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Galatians 5, 13 says, serve one another in love. Galatians 6, 2 says, bear one another's burdens. Ephesians 4, 2 says, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate with one another. In, uh, with one another. Ephesians 4.32 in that same verse says, forgiving one another. Colossians 3.13 says, bear with one another. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says, make your love increase and overflow for each other. 1 Thessalonians 4.18 says, comfort one another. James 5.16 says to pray for one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says build up one another. And then finally, 1 Peter 4.9 says be hospitable to one another. 
All of these things that the scriptures tells us to do for one another, Jesus Christ has already done for us. He set the example. He set the path for all of us. And by having a heart that cares, it shows that we are trying to be like Jesus Christ. And that's a good thing. And as you read through the pages in the gospel, you see examples of Jesus doing just that, showing compassion and care for the people that he encountered. It is very important as Christians that we follow in his footsteps and begin to love all the people that we encounter, especially those in the household of God. But I hate to say this, though. Sometimes that can be difficult, even though for those who are in the household of God. There are some people who are unlovable in the church. But God has called us to love them anyway. So we can follow in his footsteps, and, we can, and if we do follow in his footsteps, we can truly say that we are truly a community church that cares. So as a church community, though we've made up, all of us here are a church community. And we're all made up of many members from many nations, different cultures, and speak different languages. But we're all a community. And we're all called to care. Now, I'm not ready to close, but I'm in the final lap. Let's talk about the church community trademark. Designer clothes are known by their design or trademark. You can know whether an item is by Yves Saint Laurent or by Ralph Lauren or Tommy Hilfiger. You, you can know whether an item is from Nike. Even those who have careers that, that wear certain clothings that make them identifiable and, and, and visible, uh, such as a judge who wears a black robe. The black robe tells us that he's a judge. You can know a police officer by their badge and their uniform. You can tell a doctor by their coats. Because these things distinguish them or make them visible and undeniable as to who they are, what their chosen careers are. God sent forth something that, to us that is something undeniable, unquestionable, and very conclusive as to who we are. And in fact, it's so awesome that, that this trademark that God has given to us, that he says that it is the major declaration of faith. So let's find out what that is. Go to John chapter 13 and look at verse 34 and 35. John chapter 13 and verse 34 and 35. Verse 34 says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now look at verse 35. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So what is the Christian trademark for the church community? Love. love. This is the Christian trademark that identifies us as born-again believers, that identifies as children of God, followers of God. A church that loves, a church that cares, a church that has compassion, a church that raises their level of, 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 uh, of commitment towards one another. A church that loves. 
there was a Baptist preacher who, uh, who was a pastor of a, of a large Southern Baptist church. And he made this statement about the church today. It was very profound. And he said this, our churches are in serious trouble today. He said, there's virtually no difference between the average church member and the person who is not a Christian. He says, God meant for the Christian to be different. To live a different kind of life. To be on a different moral level from those who are not Christians. And then he ends with this. And yet, there's practically no difference in lifestyle. How can we be a community church if this is a trademark that we have? If this is how the community church is known? By the indifference by being just like the world, when we're called to be different. Now, the trademark of a community church is love. Love is what sets it apart from the rest of the world. Because Jesus says, by this, we will know, all will know, that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. There must be an attitude of love in the body of Christ. The Bible tells us that we are to be devoted to one another with mutual love and show an eagerness to help each other. Look at verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. As members of one family, given precedence or preference, in the King James Version says preferring one another and showing honor to one another. Now to give preference or to prefer one over the other means to outdo or to, or to outdo one another in honoring that person. In other words, for me to prefer you, I need to honor you more than I honor myself. I'm, I'm putting you before me. I'm putting you as more important than me. I'm valuing you more highly than I value myself. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says, give preference to one another. Treat each other as though they're more valuable to you than you are to them. Highly value your brother and your sister. And look at what he says in verse 13. Paul continues. When God's people are in need, he says, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So to show preference to someone is to consider them more important than yourself. Putting others first place and always being ready to help them. Paul says something similar to that in Philippians chapter 2. Let's go there, beginning in verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Verse 4 says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Why was Paul so adamant about this? Why was he so adamant about us treating others better than ourselves, looking to the interests of others than ourselves? Well, he answers that in verse 5. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, Christ had the same attitude, attitude towards us. And so therefore, we must have that same attitude towards others. That is what the community is all about. Now, 
Having heard God's message tonight, let me challenge you this evening. Don't be a hearer of the message that you've heard. But be a doer of the message that you've heard tonight. Look at 1 John chapter 3. As I said, I'm close to closing, but I'm still in the final lap. I'm nearing the finish line. 1 John 3.16 says this. We know what real love is because Jesus gave, us, gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, he gives us an example in verse 17. If someone has money, has enough money to live well and sees a brother or a sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Now, John raises a very important question here. If you have the ability to help someone and you don't help them, the question is, how can God's love be in that person or be in you? And he answered that question. This is how you resolve this, 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 this problem. Look at verse 18. He says, dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth that we love each other by our actions. We demonstrate our love for God by loving and caring for others. We know that because if you look in Matthew 25, if you go there, look at verse 37. It's a very familiar verse of scripture. This is what Jesus says. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, and as much as you did it, did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. When we demonstrate love, our love for God, we are demonstrating, we do that by, by loving and caring for others. And I, I like the verse in Proverbs 19, 17, where it says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. Now, when you lend something to someone, you know you're getting it back. Of course, depending on who you lend it to. But when you lend to God, you know you're getting it back. So when you give to the poor, when you have pity to the poor, or when you prefer the poor, or when you give time to the poor, or whoever's in need, it's like lending to the Lord, and you know you're getting it back. So let me share one last thought, a very important thought, about loving and caring for one another as a community. Our love for one another carries an eternal significance. Did you know that? Our love for one another carries great eternal significance when we stand before the Lord. Look at what 1 John 3.18 says. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth by our actions. In verse 19, our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when what? When we stand before God. Now let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and look at verse 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. Look at verse 13. 
so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So we're all going to stand before God at one time, at one point in our lives, and we must ask ourselves this question. Can we stand confident before him? Can we say we are blameless when we stand before him? And if we act like a community that God's called us to act and be the community that God called us to be, loving each other, caring for one another, looking out for one another, coming alongside each other, helping each other, preferring one another, forgiving one another, bearing up with one another, encouraging and building up and all of these things that that we're called to do if we do that if we become that church if we become that community and become real and develop a good close relationship and not wear masks to hide the turmoil in our lives but be able to trust others and say listen this is what i'm going through every day when we when when somebody comes up to you and say hey man how you doing we always answer the same. Good, man, good. The Lord's blessed. You know, however we answer, we always do that knowing that there's turmoil in our lives. Why can't we just be honest and say, well, brother, well, sister, I'm not going through, I'm going through some rough time right now. I'm going through this. I'm having financial difficulties. I'm having problems in my marriage and my children are acting up. And why can't we be honest? Why can't we, we, we be real? If we're to be a community, we need to trust each other and have a real relationship, a community relationship. And then use the gifting in our lives to help each other, to minister to one another, because that's what we're called to do. Jesus says, by this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you as you help us and build us, Lord God, into a church, a community that loves and cares. Father, help us, Lord God, to be that part of the community. Help us do, do our part as members of the body of Christ. Help us to use our gifting to benefit others. Help us, Lord God, with the courage to come alongside our brothers and our sisters, Lord God, in their time of need. Help us to raise our level of commitment towards one another. And let us be true believers. Let us carry the trademark of love so that the world can see we are truly your disciple and we are truly children of God. Father, I thank you that you help us, Lord God, to remove the spiritual masks and allow us to be real, to be transparent with one another. And Father God, we thank you for the grace to give to each one of us that we may also give grace to those around us. Father, let us be your hands and your feet to help our fellow believers. Lord, let us take this seriously. Let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. 
Let us put our love into action. Let us not pay lip service, Lord God. But let us walk in divine love. Let us be a caring church. Let us be a compassionate church. Let us be a helpful church. Let us be a hospitable church. Let us be a church, Lord God, that are willing to bear up with one another. Forgive one another. Encourage one another. Have compassion for one another. Prefer one another. Thank you, Lord God, for making us a community that loves and cares. And for this we thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Before